Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I think last last Super Bowl victory, uh, entertainment from Pitbull and... uh came back to Q39. I, I wonder if you could just take us through a little bit of your late Sunday night and, and what you did when, when, when you did get back. Yeah, I went to Pizza 51. <laughs> That's what I did. I got a, a mushroom and uh, sausage pizza. How about that? And a salad just to make my you know chubbiness feel, feel uh, good. Yeah, pizza with everything, a salad and a Diet Coke to balance it out. I'm surprised you didn't get cheeseburger pizza. I remember being at the Super Bowl Media Center nine years ago, New York City, the Sheraton Hotel, and they had cheeseburger pizza. I won't mention the name of the chain, lest we have an opportunity to be sponsored. Why do we need it? By that particular company at some point, but... It was be- it was not good. I remember it because it was not good. Pizza is very hard to screw up. Cheeseburger pizza is not a good idea. No. Maybe that's why Andy Reid didn't have it, because otherwise he would have had it, because that's the combination of everything he would presumably love. Is he a Diet Coke guy? Do you know that? Not good. You know, I just... I, I, I'm, I'm, no, I don't know. Oh, I hope not. I hope he's not a Diet Coke guy. I hope he's a regular Coke guy. Uh, Diet Coke stuff's not good for you. What about... Are you a fan? Of the mushrooms on the pizza, like that mushroom sausage pizza, that that would not ever, never get to my mouth. That would not happen. I love mushrooms. I love sausage. I like onions. I like black olives. I like green olives. The problem is, in my household, there are some people who are picky about mushrooms and olives and onions. So usually when we get pizza, it's just pepperoni or sausage, or green peppers. Not hot peppers. I don't like hot peppers. Because it, it hot peppers overtake everything. All you're eating is the hot pepper. It doesn't matter what the hot pepper's on. All you taste is heat. So I'll eat pretty much anything on pizza 
It is very hard to screw up pizza. I could eat pizza every day of my life, and there's a good chance most days I have a slice somehow, somewhere. Is that right? At most days? Gosh, I don't – I mean, a slice of pizza is like a once every – Two, three-week thing for me. I cannot get over that. You have some sort of pizza hanging around the house? I mean, how does that work? Yeah. yeah. Is delivery well, or is- like you doing DiGiorno? What the hell are you doing over there? How are you doing that? No. Are you, are you, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> I, and again, I don't want to jeopardize the potential DiGiorno sponsorship. I've never had DiGiorno. But my days of eating frozen pizza ended once I went through puberty. We get we get pizza from pizza shops, places that are in business to make pizza, that are experts in established enterprises in the making of pizza. And I live in an area in West Virginia where there are several very good Italian restaurants. That's good. And plenty. Of I would great question that pizza shops. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah. Every, well, here's why. Here's why. I was explaining this to somebody last week at at uh, Radio Row. A lot of Italians landed here in West Virginia. And it surprises people, but there's a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, they lured us over here with the promise of riches and uh, streets, light, and gold. And then they said, get 5,000 feet under the ground and mine our coal. Dig some coal, right. Go into this (laughs) hell on earth and and make our steel. Now you're stuck and you can't go back. Get to work. Uh, But the the climate here is very similar to Southern Italy. This is what I've been told. I haven't been to Southern Italy. I want to go. But the climate's very similar, and the soil is similar, and and there was a level of comfort here. So there's a lot of my paisanos around here, gotcha. and there's a lot of pizza shops. So we'll get pizza for dinner, and I eat two pieces. That's it. Two pieces. But there'll be leftovers, and they're good for about a week. Put them in a, put them in a Ziploc bag. And, uh, yeah, you know, if nothing's really going on, I'll, I'll put it in the air fryer. You put pizza in the air fryer, it's awesome. Heat it, reheat it in a skillet with a lid on it. Awesome. There's different ways you can reheat it or just put it in a microwave. Or sometimes I just feel like eating it cold. But a lot of different pizza places here, a lot of good pizza, and I eat I eat way too much pizza, but that's okay. I'm yeah, still, I would I'm never expected I get, it. I, I eat it in moderation. Yeah. I eat it in moderation. That's okay. That's okay. I, did, I hit that age a few years ago, like, where I used to be able to, like, you know, a normal – Cheese pizza, I could sit there and eat six out of the eight pieces of the pizza, right? Like a real good-sized New York pizza, right? Like just to, to say that. But I don't know what happened in my old age. I hit 40, and if I have that much cheese now in one setting, I don't know. It does not sit right in my body or my stomach. So now it's like two, three pieces when I see it, and there's a limit. I can't do it. So uh, maybe that's your your Italian stomach can handle it more on a daily basis. I- I'm amazed that between the two of us, the guy who regularly gets the munchies isn't the one who eats pizza on a regular basis. That would seem to be a, a basic stoner food. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. You're right. I think it is for most people. But I got to the age where health is over, overcome my stonerness, and I can actually think with my brain there at least somewhat clearly to go, you know what, I shouldn't do that. I'll pay for that tomorrow. Also, speaking of tomorrow, how was last night? How was the barn? How was the, I'm going to smoke a cigar and hang out in the barn and do all that stuff? We stay up late. We burn the candle at both ends a little bit. Here's what happened yesterday. I had three and a half hours of sleep. Sunday night, three and a half hours of sleep. Monday night, didn't oh, take my gosh. nap on Monday. Here Other we go. Other than like, you know, 
no, no, no. But but here's what happened. Afternoon, got my got my morning quota of stories in. Had some lunch. Felt the shade starting to come down. I took a good two hour nap, which I rarely do. So I was good to go last night. I got down to the bar around eight thirty. I was probably down in the barn until about 12, 15-ish, wow. probably longer than I should have been, yeah. probably drank a little more than I should have, right. got to bed at 1. Wow. And so do the math, five and a half hours of sleep. I, I thought so. I cut it very close today. Yeah. I rolled out of bed at 6.40. I thought you stayed rolled up late. Rolled out of bed at 6.40. Wow, that's yeah. an all-timer, so, right? Yeah, uh, you look tired, so I thought yeah, you stayed I, up late. <laughs> Thanks. 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 I, uh, thank you. I, um, I, 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 usually what I'll do is every other night or every third night, I'll smoke a, a cigar that, you know, maybe, I don't know. It's not, a, not one of those big giant, not Mike Dicka cigar. Right. 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 Expensive though. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not huge. Oh, it takes about a half Florio, hour of max right. for it to, right. yeah, can't hide money. As someone <laughs> right. I know says, but last night it's like, you know what? I'm home. It's been a long I N G week. And, uh, I'll leave off the first four letters. And so I said, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling one of the, I'm pulling one of the big boys out of the humidor. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I had a good time. Got some work done. Good. Good. I mean, I, I you know, I played, 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 uh, played some, uh, golden tea golf. Got to get back in the golden tea groove. You know, you don't play for nine days. You start to lose your skills. Got to get your skills back. So played some of that, played some of the other games I got down there, got the dragon's lair cabinet down there, played that for a little bit and, uh, did a lot of different things, but just relaxed. It was nice. And, and, you know, it's one of the, like, on a, on a normal occasion, especially since it was Valentine's Day, although when you're 57, I mean, who really cares? Yeah, anymore? that's right. I'm but 42, and I don't care. I, I, found, I, found out, <laughs> I, I found out the hard way last night. Maybe I should have. But, like, my wife and I have been together for nine days. She had reached her limit of dealing with me. So yeah, so that was her Valentine's I swear. <laughs> Get the I hell out of here. I didn't feel bad being down in the barn <laughs> right. for three or four hours. Right. She was more than happy to be done with me because, I mean, she hadn't done that since 20, 2020 when we were in Miami where she's around me that yeah, whole week right. and I'm stressed that. out and I'm a little I'm a little cranky. You know, we saw the we saw the boss out in out in Phoenix and and uh he made some comment about about me and I can't remember what it was and and my wife said, "Well, he is a little cranky this week." And the boss said, "You mean crankier?" Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was I was crankier than usual in Phoenix. So it was, uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Jill. You was have happy a reputation. We know. We know. Our dog and <laughs> hang out. Yeah, I know. But come on, you know me well I enough. Know. It's a lot of it's just yes. A lot yeah. of it's embellished. It, it, what is embellished? It's embellished. It, it, it's not. You're actually a really fun, good guy to be around. You can just turn or snap. About as quicker as as quick as anybody I've ever seen, and Pete's in my ear saying breaking news. Oh, oh, hey, oh, hey, there it is, there it is. Like Florio eats a slice of pizza every day. That is breaking news. Oh, there we go. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about a guy. Uh, Let's go. Let's go to a guy that hopefully smoked a cigar last night in celebration out there in Indianapolis. Let's hit it off. Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, reports over the weekend suggesting that he would be the guy and he is the guy was announced as the guy yesterday they introduced him at a press conference with Jim Irsay Chris Ballard the GM and before we get to some of the sound I really would love to know 
how hard it was for Chris Ballard oh, to right. talk Ursay right. out of hiring Jeff Saturday. Because Jeff Saturday easily could have been kicked to the curb after the first round of interviews, but Ursay gave Saturday two or three interviews, and I felt like he was just waiting for the moment to give Jeff Saturday the job. And there has to be a story that Chris Ballard will tell his grandchildren about the year that he somehow convinced Jim Ursay to not hire Jeff Saturday because, you know, if you're Ursay and you're determined to hire Saturday, you're not going to hire Shane Steichen instead of Jeff Saturday. You're going to hire somebody who's an established coach, I would think, somebody who's got real experience because, hell, Jeff Saturday's got more head coaching experience than Shane Steichen. So I, I, I'm impressed by Chris Ballard's ability to get Ursay to get off Saturday and on Steichen, Chris. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Ballard's a, you know, a master class communicator. I think we both know that from our time around him at the Combine, whatever. You could tell he's smart. He's calculated. You know, he knows how to sell his product himself, the team, whatever that way. Hopefully he was able to work that magic. Uh, you know, again, I, I like this hire. I saw some people out there might go like, oh, it's another guy that came from Philadelphia just like Frank Reich and won you know, right off of a, a Super Bowl appearance. All right, but what's that got to do anything? Just, just Philadelphia is the only commonality there, the only common link. And it was not the same coaching staff. It's not like you're getting the same philosophy. It has nothing to do with it. I, I think this is, for me, and again, we'll see where he is as a head coach. But this is a guy, I think, really 2020, end of 2019, 2020 for sure, is when I really started to go, wait, who is this guy? I like his offense. Look what he's doing with Justin Herbert. And have felt really from that time on, I did not think they should have got rid of him out there with the Chargers. But from that time on, he's a guy I had my eye on because I just went, I think he's a rising star as far as offensive minds are concerned. And his, you know, offense not only with Justin Herbert, but again, what we saw the last few years, uh, last few years in Philadelphia. And again, it's not even his offense what we saw. He invented an offense that fit Jalen Hurts and what they had there in Philadelphia. So again, we'll see how it is as a head coach. But I know I've been certainly impressed with the offensive game plan orchestration from this guy for a few years now. And Chris Ballard was asked about hiring another Eagles offensive coach, and he said, same logo, That's right. different team. That's right. That meant, meant nothing. Yeah. So um, it, it still big picture surprised me because I thought Ursay was going to find a way to hire Saturday. Yeah, so yeah, I hear you. Kudos to Ursay for doing something that fits between the buoys of reason and common sense, and now we'll see what the Colts do. Here is Shane Steichen on the challenge of getting a quarterback who can win in Indianapolis four years after Andrew Luck retired, and Jim Ursay maybe spilling the beans on what the team plans to do at quarterback. I think you just mentioned it a few minutes ago, but will you call the plays here, and how much would you say the offense has changed from what you did with Phillip to what you did with Jalen? Yeah, uh, I will call the place here. Um, it it, it uh, obviously the 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 offense is going to be dictated on who's playing quarterback. That's how you build the system. What does he do well? What is their strengths? But not only just the quarterback, it's the players too. Uh, what does Pittman run well, receiver wise? You know, the tight ends, the backs, Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line. What do they do well? Uh, we want to do a hell of a job of trying to put our guys in position to make plays. You know, no one can shy away from the fact what quarterback means in this league and how we have to look f going forward. Where, where Shane and Chris really, 
you know, dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. <laughs> He's hilarious. Uh oh. Somebody. Yeah. Uh oh. I'm sure Chris Ballard loves to have the owner tip their hand publicly at a time when everyone is keeping their mouths shut about who they like in the draft. Don't give Jim Irsay a microphone. So the Alabama guy, obviously Bryce Young, if he's there. And there's been indications maybe the Colts will even try to move up. Maybe they'll be the team that does the deal with the Bears, gets in front of the Texans, has their pick of the quarterbacks. Those are all moves to be made decisions to be determined in the future but Chris I I think it's really not a surprise that with Shane Steichen who proved he knows how to adapt an offense to Jalen Hurts they're going to be looking for a guy fresh out of college yeah as opposed to the latest yes veteran quarterback because this whole veteran thing hasn't worked and it's it's a mistake to just abandon that approach because it hasn't worked you could argue they're due You could argue that after kissing frogs for four straight years, they're about to have one that turns into a prince. Isn't that how that old fable worked? that's how they say. So why abandon it now? Maybe this is the year to get Derek Carr, get Aaron Rodgers, get somebody out there who's got some wear and tear but has proven they can do it because that's the one big difference between veteran quarterback who's going to hit the market and be desirable over one of these rookies. We know the guys who have proven themselves – have the ability yeah, to do it right. as long as you get them on your team before Father Time begins the process of clunking them over the head with I still I always forget it's a big 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 uh, what's that thing called the it's not a stopwatch hourglass big hourglass yeah, right. or the 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 staff whatever it is that's uh, yeah Father Time wins inevitably and Father Time has won as it relates to several of the guys Carson Wentz didn't fall in that category Carson Wentz just Something happened to him along the way where he just didn't have it anymore. Yeah, the level where he used right, to. Right, but lost the confidence. veteran quarterback thing yeah. hasn't worked. No, it hasn't. You know, I think they have to be careful. I wouldn't say like to your point. I don't think you, you know, box yourself into a corner and go, "No way, will we do any veteran quarterback?" No, you do your due diligence and research and all of that. Right. I mean, yeah, you said it right. Carson Wentz wasn't a horrible thing. There was a lot of positive there. They almost made it the year before. Philip Rivers, they did make it. You know, so it wasn't a total failure there as far as that department's concerned. But I also think that the fan base, or I would imagine, and just you know, hearing things out there throughout the year, they don't want to go down that road again either, right? And I think you're kind of maybe flirting with career suicide if you're Chris Ballard. If you do go that route and it doesn't work out again, then it's like all eyes will be on him. I expect this. This is why I think, you know, I think it's a, a great match, not only because I think Shane Steichen's a, a great offensive mind in the NFL right now, but I would think part of the lure of this job was the, the fact, hey, it's pick number four. I'm going to be able to draft a quarterback and figure out the offense I want to run around him like like he just discussed. Oh, hey, it's Justin Herbert. Wow, whoa, that year, rookie year, it was the, what, top 10 offense in football or right around that? 
and they were throwing the ball deep down the field and doing all that. Got to Philadelphia, tried to kind of run that offense, realized it wasn't for Jalen Hurts, and pivoted and started to do something else. So that's where I think, you know, is the excitement around this. And you know, the, the Colts are good, right? But I, are, am I ready to sit here and tell you that are the Colts like ready? Like, are they ready right now? Or do we look at them as in the window of the Super Bowl as it stands right now? I kind of think that that window kind of closed the last two years to where now, yeah, I'd want more of a blank canvas if I'm Shane Steichen to start to form my team and this new next generation of Colts and, and go from there. I don't know, Mike, you, you, you buy into that or you, would you rather do the veteran thing? Well, I mean, going into this season, I thought the Colts had a chance to I know. be pretty good. Matt Ryan fell into their laps. We didn't realize that Matt Ryan was going to have such a dip in his overall performance. And was it him? Was it the players around him? The there O-line. Were for Jonathan Taylor. Yep. He was the consensus number one fantasy player. And, you know, everything was was looking good. The air was pointing up. Remember remember all the conversations about, I'm going to build a wall. A wall. And, and the wall is crumbled. Wall. It crumbled. The wall is crumbled yeah. in Indianapolis. Yes. And, and that, yeah, we've talked about this repeatedly. When you have a great offensive line, you don't notice the offensive line. You notice everyone that benefits from having a great offensive line. When you have a bad offensive line, you notice it because all of a sudden your offense isn't working. And Quentin Nelson, had an off year. Yes. I don't know if having those contract negotiations that hovered right until the eve of the regular season opener, he complained after the regular season opener about that. He had that uncertainty looming. I don't know if it affected his mindset, if it affected I, – I don't know. It, it, something yeah. no. was off. You were right. And you see, when you bring in one guy, when you bring in one guy who has the attitude and the skill to transform an offensive line, you got all your eggs in that basket, and if that guy dips – you got a problem. So if they can get him back to where he was, then the the wall uh, gets yeah, built again. Right. Because all the other players get better if Quentin Nelson gets back to being who he has been in the past. Yeah, d- definitely. He's got to he's got to play better. You know, I think some things happened there with that Colts team that maybe you know they weren't set, they were O line conversations and you know we didn't talk about them a lot maybe in the off season. You know, but last year when you look at it, you know what was different? They didn't have Eric Fisher at left tackle. They didn't have Mark Golowinski at right uh, right guard. They didn't have Jack Doyle at tight end. You know, those are three. Not saying they're superstars, but when it comes to run game, those are three damn good run game linemen and tight end. They lost that, and then you couple that with no Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith being you know a little banged up, I believe, a few times during the year. That's that's where it was hurt. So they got to kind of re you know, retool that part of their roster. And I would think Shane Steichen, after coming from Philadelphia and seeing the benefit of a great offensive line and what they just had, I mean, come on. I mean, we like we talked about all last week, it's like you talk to anybody in football. The Eagles' offensive line is as good as any offensive line we've seen maybe in the last decade. So I would think he's going to get back on track there. But, yeah, Mike, I mean, they're a weird one. Like, there's still a lot of good – but I don't look at them and go, oh, well, wait, they're just a player away from the cream of the crop anymore in the AFC. You know, hey, things change in one year. Teams can get old. Now, there's still a lot of good players, but I don't know if I necessarily look at it as like, oh, wait, a good quarterback, and I think they're back in the Super Bowl conversation. I think there's a little more meat left on the bone as far as fixing that roster. And one of the realities, Shane Steichen's in a position where he could work with Chris Ballard. Yeah. 
I was having a conversation with somebody about this on right. Monday. The idea that at the, at the airport ran into ran into uh, somebody. And I, I, I probably it probably wouldn't be a big deal if I said who it was, but somebody in the football world. And we were talking about the importance of coach and GM yeah. slapped together, right. working together, not having a dysfunctional environment where if things go sideways, coach blames the GM, GM blames the coach. You want to work together. And Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen should work together. And Steichen's in a position where he can he can come to Chris Ballard and he can he can tell him some things about some of these guys who are due to be free agents in 2023. And if this list is accurate that I pulled up on spotrack.com, holy crap. There's a lot, Chris, right? They got some guys. Yeah. They got some guys that are due to become free agents and a couple of offensive linemen like Jason Kelsey, if he decides to play again, what, what if, what if Shane Steichen convinces Jason Kelsey to come to Indianapolis for a year? What if, what if they can get uh, that you've got Isaac uh, Seomalo, even though he was a little bit of a goat for, for, you know, rocking forward yeah. on that, on that third and short play, but uh, you you can bring guys that you know have that Eagles DNA, yeah, that Eagles sure. mindset. Sometimes right. that's what you need to transform a team. You're bringing the offensive coordinator. You bring a couple of members of the offense. Look at that. Look at that. They could, they could pilfer some guys. Oh, definitely. They could, they could try to bring some guys to upgrade that Colts offense. Yeah, uh, agreed. I mean, there, there's some guys there that, you know, would fit as uh, value-free agents. Okay, yeah, you got to spend a little money, but to your point – Okay, great, great. They're kind of establishing the culture I want here and know what I'm all about and what it takes to win. Wouldn't be shocked to see a few of those guys go in that direction. You know, I'm excited about Shane Steichen and what he can do here. Again, I, I think he's an offensive coordinator where I've looked at it. We've talked about it in the past, Mike, you know, and, and I felt this way, you know, really from the get-go is he's game plan specific, right? You know, it's not a guy that he just goes, hey, this is my system. This is what we do. And he proved he can he can change things up and think outside the box and do a lot of different stuff there. So between that, you know, I'm interested to see what he's going to do on the defensive side of the ball. Gus Bradley, the inventor of the Seattle scheme, he's done a great job, did a great job there last year. His defense is always good. It doesn't matter where he is. But will they keep him, or does he decide to do something more exotic on that side of the football? But, uh, yeah, I think the Colts are, you know, one of those teams where – Kind of like in the middle of the NFL right now as far as the roster's concerned. Uh, there's some good players and some things you like, but, you know, offensively, right, Mike? Like, you know, who other than Jonathan Taylor, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is really good, but do they have a star? Do they have a guy that can really make big plays do that? You know, defensively, I think you can in some ways argue the same thing. I like uh, DeForest Buckner. I like Yannick Ngakwe. I do. You know, but again, are these guys that are like you know a, a, a Chris Jones or somebody like that? You know, they they might need a little more sizzle on their roster here this off season to get them over the top. One of the things you'll see when a coach takes over a new team, coming from a prior team, you know, he'll he'll be attracted to maybe one of the backup quarterbacks like a Gardner Minshew, who's due to become a free agent. But but again, Steichen has made it clear. It's not like he's bringing a system with him. He's going to build the system based upon who the quarterback is. So you don't necessarily need a Gardner Minshew to teach the offense to a rookie. The offense is going to be fashioned by the skills and abilities of the rookie. Yeah. So that's right. not as critical. But 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 
if he likes what Gardner Minshew can do. And I, I, I don't know how the game of musical chairs is going to go. Is there going to be a starting job out there for Gardner Minshew? Could he be the bridge to a young quarterback? I don't know. But you'll, you'll know how much Shane Steichen does or doesn't like Gardner Minshew based on how aggressively they do or don't pursue him just based upon his overall abilities and what he brings to the table. Maybe he's a guy that could end up in Indianapolis on that depth chart to go along with whoever they would end up with in the draft. I, I, and like in, philo- in theory, you're, you're, you're right. I think a lot of things you said there. The one thing I would say with Gardner Minshew, Mike, and we've had this talk before in our, our history together, he, he might be just like a little too good and a little too good of a leader to where you don't even want him to be that guy. You want the guy to be like, let him and his personality flourish. Gardner Minshew does have a pretty strong personality. You know, he can practice and play well enough and when he knows the offense and a rookie's learning things to where you go, man, Gardner looks like he's the better guy. Like, you know, I think that's part of the reason you know, they didn't want him hanging around there in, in, in Jacksonville too long. Just because it's, hey, he's kind of he, – he's a good player. He's certainly not as talented as this guy, but this guy's learning and doing things, and we want him to establish himself as the leader of the team and Trevor Lawrence. That would be one thing I would say, you know, you, you could think about. It. It's not – all I'm saying is if he doesn't bring there, bring him there, it's not an indictment on Gardner Minshew. I think that's another possibility that could be in his thinking as well. Or Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville was fully aware of what it was like to work for a real – NFL head coach and then had to pivot to Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, he said, get me was, the hell out of here. He's going to be the guy in the locker Mr. room Mr. that get said me to out the other players, yeah, guys, right. what in the hell? I mean, my God. And remember when Urban Meyer tried to create the impression there was actually a quarterback competition between <laughs> yeah. Trevor Lawrence and yeah. Gardner Minshew before they traded Minshew for a sixth-round pick, for crying out loud. So Minshew, I think, has value. But you're right. You've got two different backup quarterbacks, generally. Yeah. You've got the guy who comes in and understands his role, accepts it, and does everything he can to make the starter better. Then you got the backup who thinks he should be the starter and constantly competes to be the starter and to prove himself. And isn't just competing for the sake of making the starter better, genuinely thinks, I'm the guy. Why am I not playing? And you run the risk of having a divided locker room if you've got Gardner Minshew guys plus starting quarterback guys and they they end up at odds and that's not good for anybody so that's going to be one of the challenges I think for Gardner Minshew but but we'll see maybe maybe Shane Steichen's comfortable with that it worked in Philly having Gardner Minshew around right Jalen Hurts wasn't deterred by it maybe it's remember remember last week Howie Roseman made the comment and it was viewed as a slap at Carson Wentz and it probably was we want guys who embrace competition. We want guys who don't shy away from having someone else. And I'm paraphrasing, but basically someone else on the depth chart right. who's pretty damn good right. who wants to take that job. So maybe there's value in that mindset. You better be ready to go. You well, better be the yeah. best you can be. If you waver at all, we got somebody else who's going to take your spot. So you better be willing to compete yeah. with everyone Who's on this team? There's two schools of thinking with that. You know, you're you're right. You know, there, there's the school of thinking of like, hey, here's Joe Montana, but we got Steve Steve Young, you know, nipping at his heels. Whoa, Montana wins the Super Bowl in '88, has one of his best seasons ever in '89 and '90 as well. Hey, Joe, Steve Young, Steve Young, Steve Young. Yeah, okay. So there is that. You know, we we saw that even in in Green Bay, they always had you know good quarterbacks around Brett Favre. None of them were Brett Favre. But yeah, we've had that approach where 
teams keep around the the good quarterbacks and make it competitive and make that starter you know stay on his p's and q's or we've seen it go the other way you know with like Peyton Manning you know most people can't even ever name a backup he ever had and you were like man if the backup gets in they're screwed but that's the way they framed it there so uh, it, it is interesting. I'd be interested to see what they do there in Indianapolis. But either way, I think this is a great hire for Chris Ballard. I like Shane Steichen. And I think in a lot of ways, yeah, you got a lot of core pieces to be competitive this year, but I don't look at them as a Super Bowl contender, at least not right now before free agency and the, the current status of the roster. But a team that's not far off, and this is a guy that I would think could evaluate a quarterback and start to develop something that's you know damn good around him. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It took almost as long as the duration of Tom Brady's original retirement for the Colts to end up with a coach 36 days Chris Ballard was asked yesterday whether he felt any pressure because the process of getting that coach hired was taking so long here he is I mean I think I told y'all at the end of the season like this was this could go into mid-February we were going to take our time um I never understand what the hurry is it's about getting it right and if that meant we needed to interview 50 people, we'd have interviewed 50 people. I mean, you want to get the right person for the job, which we felt we've done. And I don't, like I know, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't hear the noise. But I don't react to the noise, if that makes sense. I just, you want to get it right. And so whatever pressure was felt externally, we did not feel internally. Uh, we, we had an Mr. Ursay and I were on the same page when that season ended in Houston and we had a long visit. When I walked out of the office, we were on the same page of where we were going and how we were going to run this process. And if it took six weeks, it took six weeks. And uh, it took five weeks and a day. And look, this is a team that five years ago, when they were looking for a head coach, thought they had a guy that was hired unofficially during that window from the end of the regular season until the Super Bowl. And Josh McDaniels right after the Super Bowl, the Tuesday after the Super Bowl, said, no, thank you. They had to mobilize and hire Frank Reich. And, you know, I I want to say it worked out. We don't know how it was going to work out because Andrew Luck retired. And that's not a complaint. It's just a fact. I've said time and again, if a guy doesn't want to play 
in the NFL. He shouldn't play. Every once in a while you hear someone, call, oh, he quit on his team. Well, if, you, if you're not physically, mentally, emotionally ready to play football, you shouldn't play. So the reality is Frank Reich had Andrew Luck for one year, yeah. and then he got thrust into this – this revolving door right. of veteran quarterbacks, and eventually he was out, and now Shane Steichen's in, and and we'll just we'll, we'll see what he can do. And hey, if this works, maybe it is time for something Peter King began to advocate a few years ago. I didn't think it was practical at the time. You pause everything, at least as it relates to interviews, until after the Super Bowl, and you do it then. No team that fires a head coach can even begin the process of interviewing until. Two days ago, the morning after the Super Bowl, and and uh, you know, then you have I don't know if it takes six weeks after that, you got a problem because you're getting into free agency. Well, yeah, you know, you, you'd like to have a coach in place before the combine, coach in place before free agency, but there is something to be said, and I think you and I are on the same page about yeah. this. Let the assistant coaches focus on the task at hand, not be distracted by being interviewed during preparation for a playoff game. Wait on everything until the Super Bowl is over. Don't disadvantage the coordinators or other candidates working for the Super Bowl teams. Wait on everything until after the Super Bowl. You know, it's it's I would love it, that. It's not going to kill your program if you do it. And maybe some of these teams that would otherwise be inclined to fire a head coach would wait. Yeah. yeah. Another year. Right. Give that guy one more chance because they know if they change coaches they can't start the interview process until after the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if the NFL kicked back the all whole offseason, like two weeks or so. Just kick it all back. Yeah, I would love to see this process play out. I think it would be more fair. It'd be fair, more fair to everybody. The available candidates, the the players on the teams with the coaches who are trying to worry about the interviews, and, of course, the, you know, the candidates themselves. Uh, I would like to see that done. I think that you know would be a great way to do it. I think it's just better for everyone, and it's going to be a better product on the field, even in the playoffs, for all the viewers as well. But yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like we talked about. We joked about it a month ago. You know, what if a player is yeah pending free agent? Hey, I want to go talk to a team on a Friday or a Saturday. I want to go talk to them and just kind of lay the groundwork out for when I'm going to be a free agent in a few weeks. No big deal. Not a distraction, right, guys? I mean, if a player did that, it'd be insane. And what I would tell you is it's actually less insane for the player to do that than the coach. The player's just got to go out and play. He's already been taught everything for the week. He's done. The coach is the one that's going, wait, details, this, that, that, that I'm worried about things. So, yeah, it's backwards. I'd love to see him kick it all back. Why not? And it would be, you know, I think a better process. And listen, even after the week of the Super Bowl, we talk about the NFL always loving the um, mastering the calendar. Gosh, it'd be great if we could, here we go, this week, next week. We got, a, you know, 10 days of talking about coaching candidates and do that. And, you know, this kind of, kind of becomes an NFL dead news time here for the next few weeks. And this certainly would not let that or allow that to happen. The problem is... Free agency, yeah, middle of March. Yeah, it's always been the middle of March. Guys want to get paid. They want to get their signing bonuses. You know, there's been talk in the past about doing the draft before free agency. And in the lockout year, 2011, they did the draft. Then free agency came after they got everything resolved. That's something that the players may not be keen on, delaying the payday, even by a month or a week or a few weeks. This is the, de- this is the day every year. This is the window every year when it's time for for the players to hit the market and get their contracts and get their money. And you don't want to delay that if you're players. Now the combine 
is still when it always was, even though the Super Bowl is now a week later, thanks to the extension of the season by one week. You know, you got two weeks afterward. We'll be in, you know, we'll be in, uh, is it two weeks? It is two weeks. What's today? The 15th. We'll be in Indianapolis two weeks from today. So not a whole lot of time if you do delay the head coach hiring process. Not a lot of time to interview. Not a lot of time to hire. Not a lot of time to get things moving. They'd have to come up with some way. And, of course, one of the things we didn't get to last week, at least on the show, D. Smith, the NFLPA executive director, just wants to get rid of the combine. Yeah. Just do pro days. Do regional pro days or the local pro days. Get rid of the combine altogether. The problem is the NFL has tried to turn that into a tent pole. Yeah, I'd like to see the opposite. Make a bunch of money off of right. the combine. Right. They're not going to get. They're not going to get rid of the scouting combine because it's become event s- separate from. Right. The, I don't the want idea it to go of, away. You know what's the best way? Yeah. I, I I wouldn't care if it did. I mean, I like the fact that we go there and we talk to a bunch of coaches and prospects. But I understand why there are concerns about it and why there's a view that's just kind of you know kind of a well get rid of the pro day a, the pro day not, is the one that's not necessary i mean the day to go you know the week to be around all teams and everybody can be lumped together in one spot that makes more sense let alone the business side of it and the spectacle over the oh wait i saw you work out for three days straight i met you three days straight we got you naked we looked at you we pulled every you know limb on your body we gave you a psychological event but we got to go see you at your school in 3 weeks one more time just to see if you can run in a straight line any faster or did your hips get a little looser it's actually stupid when you say it out loud the combine should be it. It's all you need. Well, you know, here's the reality, and we're now into that season where significant money and time are being spent on trying to assess everything that can be ascertained about yeah. the prospects who are coming in. And then we'll be reminded of how imperfect the entire process is because you still can't have a direct line between effort and money and getting good results. And it is more than just draft. It's draft and develop. I've been trying to make that point as often as I can recently when I do radio spots and people ask me about the draft and why teams have failed. And, you know, we, we kind of focused on this as it relates to the Patriots and their inability to draft good receivers. It's right. not just the decisions you make on draft day. It's your ability to develop them, your patience with them, your understanding of what they need to become suitable in the Patriots system, the Patriot way. You're talking about young guys, 20, 21, 22 years old. I think sometimes coaches are too impatient with young players, and that's part of the problem. But the point is, whatever is available to these teams, they're going to take full advantage of it. We'll do scouting combine. We'll do pro day. We'll do private workouts. We'll do whatever we can, bring them to the facility. Anything we can do to gather more information to support these decisions because we have the time and we have the money and these these decisions have too much riding on them to not take advantage of, of everything. We're, I'm get, we're kind of getting off track, but it's an important conversation to have because we are in the middle now, not in the middle, but we're on the front end of draft season when all this stuff is going on. And if we do delay the hiring of coaches, we are going to have kind of a weird calendar issue to try to resolve. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, agreed. It's it's big business, and there's a lot to jungle, juggle there. Uh, and, you know, these colleges, they like their pro days. They like the notoriety and everybody coming to town. But, you know, it, it, I do think it kind of borders on, you know, overdoing it. 
Uh, we got d- film every angle to watch you. We've seen you in person during the season with scouts and our GM. Now we're you know at a senior bowl or whatever. Then it's the combine, but we need to see you one more time on your field so you could sway things your way to give yourself one more you know prop. So hopefully that moves and or hopefully it doesn't move. I like the combine. I think it's a great event. I think it's good for the NFL. And I think honestly, it's good for the young kids in the NFL as well. Just a good little, like get, used I don't to think it, it is. Oh, Why? I don't think it is. Why? We have to get to it. And we're going to have to get to this a different day. Cause, cause I think it's dehumanizing. I do. I think it is. I think it, it, it strips away all of their humanity. It turns them into, into robots. It turns them into guys who get poked and prodded and mistreated from time to time based upon the questioning. We'll have time in the run-up to the combine to fully debate that. Maybe in Indy we can have a segment about it. We can ask some of the coaches about it. But of course, they love it. They need it. They need it. The coaches and the GMs need it. That, they, they, you, they just they need it no, you just answered your question. You just answered it. You're right. It's great. It's awesome. They need I, it. Exactly. That's how you make business go. Exactly. We don't have to worry about it at well, the combine. We they just think they it need out. it. Maybe there's, maybe there's other ways to get the information you need without making the players feel like something else. Oh, gosh. What? They've always All felt right. like that. It's the way they've been the whole life. Eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, tenth grade, twelfth grade, eleventh grade, thirteenth grade. It's all. It's always that way. Maybe we evolved. Maybe maybe we evolve treating football players like that. Maybe we maybe we move past that as a society. Maybe they shouldn't be yelled and screamed at. I mean, we've had this conversation in the past. When I was in fifth grade, if you were lollygagging out on the field, you got a foot in your ass, and I'm still scarred by it. And it's helped me. It's, I'm very conflicted by that. Knowing that if I stand around too long, coach is going to come kick me in the ass <laughs> has done more for me than I think anything else. Uh, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. I'm serious. I, I, I never stand still now. I still have in the back of my head, coach is going to come kick me in the ass if I'm standing yeah. around, so keep moving. All right, the Cardinals were standing around for a while, too, just like the Colts trying to figure out who their coach was going to be. And, you know, these two teams should have got on the same page, say, okay, you hire your guy Tuesday, and you can have all a Tuesday. We'll hire our guy Wednesday. We get all a Wednesday. Why are we doing them both the same day? But the Cardinals got one of their own Eagles coordinators. There's the message, kids. If you want to be an NFL head coach, get get on a team, be a coordinator, go to the Super Bowl and lose, then you'll be a head coach. <laughs> Jonathan Cannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Cardinals. Here's a little video of Gannon showing up in Arizona and running into the guy that eventually will be back on the field as the starting quarterback, Kyler Murray. All right, all right. We'll see you soon. Junkie. He's in there? Audio's not great on that. Sorry for anyone listening on Sirius XM 85, but it was Jonathan Gannon leaving the facility after he took the job. Owner Michael Bidwell saying, oh, by the way, Kyler Murray's in the weight room today. Jonathan Gannon goes down the hall. He drops the stuff. Let Murray, me go say exchange. hi to him. <laughs> very, very. He starts running. He starts <laughs> yeah. running to go see Kyler yeah, Murray. Right. And apparently Murray's rehabbing his torn ACL in Tempe, not at the team facility, but he happened to be in the team facility yesterday, so they had a quick moment together. That's going to be the big challenge for Jonathan Gannon. Defensive guy, you better find a coordinator slash quarterbacks coach who can come in 
and get on the same page with Kyler Murray. And you better hope the guy doesn't do a really good job of it because then what happens? That guy becomes a head coach, and you got to find another one. You, I, I, yeah, it's it's you a you got a franchise one. quarterback, particularly. Yeah. You you know and and I was I thought they were going to hire Brian Flores they'd be in the same boat if they had but I you got you got um, you got a great quarterback and you want to get the most out of him and his career's at a crossroads this is a risk and I hope it's a calculated risk by Michael Bidwell to go with a defensive coach because once Kyler Murray gets comfortable with this new staff and does really well. That's when you say farewell to the offensive coordinator. You better hope somebody else on the staff is ready to step in and continue that relationship in a positive way. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. That That's the current status of the 2023 NFL. And, you know, the way we see offensive coaches get hired and, rise, you know, rise up the ranks quicker than ever before. I mean, we don't have to, you know, explain it any more than what we've seen here just today. You know, as far as Shane, you know, Shane Steichen, how quickly he he rose uh, rose up the ranks and became a head coach. But hey, I'm I'm a fan of the hire. I am. I mean, again, I Jonathan Gannon. You know, first thing, you know, where did who did he learn from? He learned from some really damn good defensive coaches, Matt Eberflus, Mike Zimmer. Right? We could say what we want about Mike Zimmer and how it ended in Minnesota. We know he was a good defensive mind, knows how to coach DBs, do all that stuff. So I love the school of coaching he's from and he showed some stuff to me at least in the last two years in Philadelphia let's not forget like 2021 the Eagles the way they played defense kind of simple if you break it down you look at the teams the quarterbacks that played them last year in the 2021 season I mean oh my gosh they tore apart the Eagles Eagles were kind of basic they've tried to play sound and we're just not going to be out of position and do all that and if you remember, right, like Brady, Herbert, Mahomes, Derek Carr, they all had games where they were like 28 to 31, 30 for 34. They just tore them apart. He kind of reevaluated himself this offseason, and he ran a different defense that was much more aggressive and creative and, you know, really tried to squash some of the things you do. It was no more. We're just going to play safe and sound. Now, hey, you saw that. It, it, it came back to bite him a little bit in the Super Bowl because he faced off against another great offensive mind. But uh, I, I, I like the hire. But, yeah, I would think that, you know, the offensive coordinator position, all of that, I, I would hope that he's got a few guys, you know, was sitting there waiting to be hired and has explained that to the Bidwells. And, and uh, they got somebody in mind that we'll hear about here in the next day or two. And, you know, the reality is Gannon was a finalist for the job last year in Houston. He was under consideration this year. So he's been there, done that. He knows that he's going to have to have a staff ready to go, and he presumably did. And now off he goes to be the head coach of the Cardinals. I don't know how desirable that job currently is with yeah. Kyler Murray factor right. recovering from the torn ACL. It does give a new coach a little bit of a buffer, like, hey, what do you expect from me? Like, I, I mean – your starting quarterback has a torn ACL. He's not going to be back on the field until the middle of the season at best. And then you go through the process of figuring out whether or not he can become the guy he needs to be. How how good do the Cardinals expect to be? What are the real expectations? Yeah. How much time is Gannon going to have to turn it around? Or is he just going to be the next guy to eventually be fired? We'll see how it goes. But, you know, the reality is there's only 32 of these jobs, but some of them are better than others. This one, This one may not have been... As some desirable work. as some of the others. If I was ranking the five this year, it probably would have been at the bottom. We didn't do that this year. Usually we rank them. This year, 
I'd, I'd say the Cardinals would have been at the bottom. I don't know which one would have been at the top, but the Cardinals probably would have been at the bottom. Yeah, well, there's some work to you know to your point, and you got to figure out yeah the quarterback, what you do, how you want to play around him, what makes sense you know as far as style of play with him. Uh, so and and then you know defensively, yeah, there's some work there too. There are some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it's two of the within with Thompson and Buda Baker. It's one of the the, the better safety combinations in football. Uh, they got uh, Marco Wilson and, and Byron Murphy are two damn good corners on the outside. We you know we talked to one of the linebackers, Isaiah Simmons. They got Zayvon Collins there, so he's going to have some pieces to play with on the defensive side. They got to get a, another defensive lineman or two that can be game changers, right? You know, Isaiah Simmons talked to us. It was big that they lost Chandler Jones. You could say what you want, but his presence on the outside was a huge thing. And they got no more J.J. Watt. So they got some work to do there. You're right. It's maybe one of the least desirable ones that are out there, but not that bad. There's still a lot of positives to look at. And uh, I think the big thing to me, Mike, is kind of what you brought up. That offensive coordinator spot. Who's he going to hire? What's his vision here of the offense? Is there somebody else he's going to be able to pillage from the you know, Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff that is going to make the offensive coordinator? Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what he does in that department. Well, we put the graphic up. Let's let's put the graphic up again of the five vacancies. I was trying to rank them in my head. I, I don't know. None of them look all that great to me when well, you consider the Texans the are the worst. I think, if anything, the Texans – well, I don't know. Are they, well, though? You come in there with a high – you come yeah. in with a high pick – I hear you. Come you. in there after right. they have fired their coach right. consecutive years. You got a six year contract. You have an opportunity to do your thing without any real expectations. You know, the Panthers job, you got an owner who's kind of demanding and involved and 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 you just feel like he'll kick you to the curb quickly if you don't turn things around, that he's getting very impatient and has been impatient. With the Broncos, you got the Russell Wilson factor. With the Colts, you got Jim Ursay. I think that I hate to say it, the most dysfunctional football operation of the past few years may have been the most attractive of these five openings. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's the, none of these really jump out to me as man. I got to go take that job, and I understand why Sean Payton locked onto the Broncos job because the fan base is great, the ownership has the cash to do whatever needs to be done to to go out there and get the players you need. And maybe if you have to move on from Russell Wilson, you just bite the bullet and you do it at some point. But th- there are there are reasons to to not like every one of these jobs. Yeah, and sure. there's plenty of reasons to say, hey, the bar is low. The arrow uh, can go nowhere but up at this point for the Texans. Maybe that is the best of the jobs. And you're in that division where – you know, the Titans may be starting to dip, and who knows what the Jaguars are going to be. Maybe they're going to take it over, but you feel like you have better room to compete there. I mean, I, I hear you. You can make a case, I think, for a, for a lot of these. You know, the, you're right. There's a blank canvas in Houston, but I think there's a lot of work to do there. So it's, it's like you said, okay, yeah, it's blank, but, you know, you're also going to be picking from guys that are unproven. You don't know what they are in the NFL, and can those guys, you know, flourish to what you think they're going to be? You know, there's a reason these jobs are open. It's not always just because the head coach was bad. It's usually because the the roster had some issues there as well. You know, but 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 again, I think there's enough positives here with Arizona where you just go, hey, it, it could be worse. We do have a quarterback. You know, we do have a guy that's got a pretty damn good you know skill set. 
You got a few little weapons to play with as far as, you know, at receiver and running back. So we'll see where that goes. Jonathan Gannon, the one thing I always hear about him, I don't know him, is just energy and the ability to lead people and men. You kind of can see that on the clip there. He's a high energy, in your face, no nonsense kind of guy. Um, so I'm excited for him. And now the coaching hires are done and doesn't seem fair to everybody out there. But congratulations to the ones that did get jobs. And, you know, here we go, 2023. Yeah, and better luck next year to the guys who didn't. That's something Eric Bieniemy has been hearing every year now since 2019, the year he first emerged as a candidate. And there was a sense of inevitability that he's going to become a head coach. He's in a great spot based upon past efforts of the Andy Reid coaching tree to expand in Kansas City. Doug Peterson goes from coordinator to head coach of the Eagles. Matt Nagy goes from coordinator to head coach of the Bears. Eric Bieniemy stuck now for five years in that coordinator spot. Bieniemy's agent told me on Sunday he still had an outside shot at the Colts job. Obviously, that didn't happen. Ravens commanders, coordinator jobs were a possibility. The Ravens have hired Todd Munkin, so that's off the table. The commander's job remains out there. The Chiefs continues to be a possibility. There was a also maybe in Arizona, I don't know which head coaching candidate he would have been tied to. I don't know that he's tied to to Jonathan Gannon. Wouldn't that be something? The two guys who who were pitted against each other from the standpoint of offense, offense and defense in the Super Bowl end up working together in Arizona. That really would be something. You if think that he happens. would do that? You think here's they would? something uh, just to talk I, about that real quick. Well, I mean, it could be. It could also, I think, a good look at it as a threat and be like, man, I don't do good for a year or two, and the offense does well. They're going to name Eric Bieniemy the head coach. I kind of feel like that's what happened with Shane Steichen out with the Chargers when Brandon Staley got there. And, uh, honestly, but you know, it's a good conversation either way. So here's uh, here's Andy Reid from yesterday mm-hmm. when the question of Eric Bieniemy comes up because again it's stay with the Chiefs, go to the Commanders, maybe outside shot go to the Cardinals. Listen to what Andy Reid had to say, and we'll talk about it on the other side. I know you mentioned before in the past that you're pushing for him, but if not, I know he's on a one-year deal. So would you expect him? to return, and if not, you know, are you still trying to push for him to get uh, the last few jobs remaining? Yeah, I would tell you the first part of that, that I'd push him to, you know, I, there's no reason he shouldn't get one um, one of these jobs. So he's, a, he's too good of a football coach not to. You know, the way he answers that, and, and look, I, I think he's at the point where he would like to cycle through to another coordinator. I think this is part of how you reward your guys for busting their ass. You create an in-house meritocracy where you 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 show yeah. this shining example of what happens if you bust your ass. It's not just you're going to get more money. You're going to get a raise. You're going to get more responsibility. You're going to get a better title. You You know, the best of my offensive assistance becomes the coordinator when that coordinator graduates to something else ideally a head coaching job you got five years of Eric Bieniemy not graduating we saw Mike Kafka had to leave to become an offensive coordinator he went to the Giants and yeah. then was a head coaching candidate after one year I think Andy Reid is at the point where he would like to have another offensive coordinator just to keep that pipeline moving just to continue to have that thing you can use to get your staff 
to bust their ass every year and contribute right. to the overall creativity right. and the design and the implementation of the offense because you know the best of the non-coordinators on the staff have the chance to be the coordinator and then the chance to become a head coach. So right. I just I feel like Reed is ready and Reed's been ready to move on from Bienemy, not because of Bienemy, but because he wants that spot for someone else. Uh, I would agree. I would think so. You know, and, and, and you know, of course, Eric Bienemy, he was looking to move on. It probably adds to a little weirdness in the building that way. You know, and then also to, to the same to the same point of what you're making there, you know, the head coach also just, hey, they get sick of like Hey, every year is he going? Is he not? Is he going? Is he not? And you know that's another thing that plays into this. This is three, four years in a row where Andy has to answer these same questions, and it's tough, you know. And I feel like he's a little, he was a little even like didn't know what to say there because I'm sure he, uh, you know, I'm sure sitting there when he was answering that question already knew that that Bien-Ami was not going to be the head coach of the Cardinals or the Colts, but he couldn't say it. He wasn't going to be the one that breaks the news or do anything there, so he knew that. You know, so he didn't know how to maybe answer that question in totality exactly. But you know, I think for Eric Bieniemy, if he wants to be a head coach, yeah, I think the best thing would probably be for him to move on, like we talked about yesterday, so he doesn't get the oh, well, it's Andy Reid or oh, it's really Patrick Mahomes or whatever, which is not fair. It's a bunch of BS. Nobody, none of these other guys have ever had that issue, but Eric Bieniemy gets that for some reason. Um, you know, the Commanders thing in a lot of ways, makes a lot of sense to me. They have young quarterback. We know this guy knows how to work with a young quarterback. And they got a receiving core that I would say is better than the Chiefs right now. I mean, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, you know, you we saw a little of that last year. I mean, they this enemy could have them doing what we saw the other night. Zoom, 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 zoom. Fake to this guy. He could do all that stuff with this group. So, I'd be all in favor of it, but I do think he, you know, needs to move on if he does want to be a head coach at some point somewhere else. By the way, the Commanders interviewed Greg Roman for the offensive coordinator position on Tuesday. Nothing scheduled with the enemy yet, but I go back to the text I got on Sunday from his agent. It was on the record. A lot of times I hear stuff from guys off the record, but I think that there's an urgency now and a concerted effort to try to get Eric Bieniemy into a good spot. It would be a good spot in Washington. Because, look, if Sam Howell ends up being great, I guess people could say, well, it's Sam Howell. It's not Bieniemy. But you can't say it's the head coach because the head coach is a defensive guy, not an offensive guy like we see in Kansas City. Again, it didn't keep Peterson and Nagy from becoming head coaches without Patrick Mahomes. What more can Eric Bieniemy do? It really is sad. And I've tried in the past to get to the bottom of it. You know, the interview question, and I just, I really do feel like at a certain level, owners don't want to be bullied or feel like they're being bullied by media and fans to hire someone. They don't want to create the impression to their peers that they gave in to the mob, to the people who were saying, you should go do this. We're going to do what we want, and we're going to resist this notion that someone is trying to get us to do something we don't want to do. But, you know, they, they listen to the media, supposedly, when they round out their list of candidates. I guess if the media gets too much behind one guy, that's when they decide to big-time us and refuse to give the time of day to the guy that, that many in the media are saying deserves an opportunity, Chris. Yeah, it, there's a lot that goes into the process. You know, media, hype, you know, the the – the connections you have in the league, I think, are very important, too. I do. 
You know, yeah. yeah. Are, are you connected to the guy that's helping out the organization? You know, make the hire. Is there somebody you know there? Is there somebody you know that can get in the ear of the owner and the GM that they trust? That's where a lot of these hires are made. You know, and and you know that's where I don't know if Eric Bieniemy is getting the benefit of the doubt in that department or anything of that nature. You know, you know he was in college, he was with the Vikings. He certainly should have those connections. But at the same time, again, I don't think he's one of those guys. And part of the process, or part of the problem here, and why he's hasn't moved on, I don't think he's a politician that way. You know, that's one thing I continually hear. So you know, and then from people that I trust that are credible. So that that's where I think it's it's hurting him a little bit in that department. But yeah, it's it's uh it's amazing that we're sitting here and he hasn't been hired, as we talked about. The optics are weird. Guys coaching lesser offenses and lesser teams are getting head coaching jobs and Eric Bianami's not. On one hand I respect the integrity. Yeah. On the other hand, when in Rome right. because other guys are politicking and doing what they have to do. Right to get these jobs. And again, there's only 32 of them. If you really want that job, you got to figure out what the pathway is to getting one. And maybe sometimes you have to set aside your own, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm just going to be who I am. Sometimes you have to modify that approach to get that job that everyone else wants. And you've got to thread the needle just the right way to get that position over someone else who very much wants it. I'd very much want to keep going, but for the second straight day, we have exceeded one hour with the opening segment of the program. Six more segments to go with only one hour remaining. We'll do it because one way or the other, the show ends at 9 a.m. Eastern. We'll be back with more PFT Live, specifically what's next for the Raiders and Derek Carr now that they've parted ways. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.